Hey guys, welcome. This is Third and Long. I'm your host, Jordan Patrick, here with two of my really good friends, Elliot Evans and Richie Hicks. We're here. This is the inaugural podcast of Third and Long. So thanks for joining us, guys. We're going to introduce ourselves and kind of go over what what uh, we enjoy. We're going to cover three major sports with this podcast. Uh, it's going to be the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL. So hopefully you guys hang out with us and enjoy what you hear. Uh, personally, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a Jaguar fan, guys. And born and raised there it's it's tough love it's tough being a fan of that team but uh that's where my heart is uh now living in orlando for 25 26 years the closest baseball team to me was the tampa bay rays so i'm a rays fan at heart love them that's uh that's my passion baseball is my passion and uh as far as basketball being in orlando for as long as we uh we all have been i'm a, a diehard magic fan so that's just me in a nutshell as far as a sports fan. Those are my teams. That's my loves. Those are my, that's where my heart is. Uh, Elliot, where do you lie, buddy? I'm an Orlando native, so as far as uh, basketball, I'm, I too am a Magic fan, definitely. Um, somehow I became a Dallas fan. It's a, 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 a Cowboys, that is, for football. It's called the 90s. Yeah, basically, <laughs> essentially. So, you know. Uh, that's a story for another time. And baseball, I'm not really a baseball guy, but I'm, I'm here to learn with those of us that aren't into it as much. These two gentlemen here, Richie and Jordan, are going to educate me and you, the listener, as we go along here. But um, Yankees, by way of my family, would be my team. So, Richard, that's a, a little, nice way to bring little romance there. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. It is what it is. want to say I went to the Giants opener two years ago. I'm from New York, fellas. Duval travels well, by the way. Just want to make that known to anyone who doesn't do, know man. about how Jaguar fan travels. We carry our weight well. They carry their weight very well. I was pleased. Great tailgate buddies. Um, I'm from uh, Queens, New York originally, Far Rockaway, Rockaway Beach. Love my New York Yankees. Absolutely love the New York Giants. I'm New York through and through. Collegiately, I love the Irish. But uh, I look forward to talking to all of you and uh, just... Uh, We're going to build relationships over the years, guys, and... And what we're looking for long term is just to uh, give you guys basically a 60 minute podcast of what we're feeling on, on what's happening uh, in the sports world and the big three. So I'm going to give you speaking of the big three, I'm going to give you guys three names and I want you to tell me what they have in common. If you know, if you, I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there. Shoeless Joe Jackson, Pete Rose and A.J. Hinch. I'm going to jump on this. Jump sir. on it. Expulsion from the Hall of Fame and from the sport itself. And we're talking about Major League Baseball, folks. Uh, Pete Rose, greatest hitter alive, not named Ichiro, no disrespect to the great Pete Rose, but I think Ichiro, if he was in the States, would have been recognized in the same regard. I think it's unfair that the man isn't in the Hall of Fame because I feel that we are all humans and we all make errors. And I feel that his plaque should be up there, and by all means, go into his gambling. I know that man loved the Cincinnati Reds, and I have a hard time believing that that man bet against his team. I only feel that he bet for them. Bottom line is that man is baseball, and he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I couldn't agree with you more, and based on what he did, so basically, Shoeless Joe Jackson was part of the 1919 White Sox. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. That Did was... you feel the dreams? Exactly. Yes, yes sir. Yeah. And uh, basically got wrapped up with a gambler named Arnold, Arnold Rothschild, I believe his name was. Yes, sir. Fact check is correct. Actually, yeah. And 
basically eight players on that team were caught up in getting paid off by a gambler, a professional gambler, and through the World Series, losing it, oddly enough, against the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds. And Pete Rose, betting, he said he only bet on his Cincinnati, Red, uh, Cincinnati Reds to win the game as he managed the team. He never bet against them to lose or anything of that nature. That's his quote directly. He did it, eventually admit it in the book that he wrote. Um, and A.J. Hench, <clears throat> of course, is the was the manager of the Houston Astros until recently. Uh, but when they won in 2017, he was at the helm. He was the one that was right there with uh, all of the players. We can name them individually if you'd like, but specifically he was the one running the ship. So he has not been, the penalty has not been brought down yet to have him banned for life, but he has been uh, suspended for one year from the MLB. Now, if you're not aware of what the Astros did, everybody is at this point. Because I, I don't know, so let's let's hear the entire. I know there's a scandal in baseball, right? There is. But tell me about it. Uh, I want to hear exactly how this went down. Of course, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna take this for a moment. Uh, essentially, stealing signs was always part of the culture of Major League Baseball. Visually, you know. Uh, I mean, even going far back as pine tar to get a competitive edge, shaving a baseball. These are all things of competitive nature happens. that if you don't get caught... Happens all the time. It Still rides. But when you're talking about doing it from the technological level and um, essentially you know, getting waves of what pitchers are throwing, stealing signs in that regard through the technological level, it's a completely different advantage that was broad-streamed amongst all Astros players. I mean, even those that weren't partaking in it, the guilt factor of it is the fact that they knew. I mean, it's the great, the great Justin Verlander recently at a dinner made light of it. Unbeknownst to him, CC Sabathia, who got cheated out of a final World Series appearance. Now, to, you, to, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll get directly to it. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. what happened is they set up a camera in center field in Minute Maid Park, which is their home field in Houston. Mm -hmm. They set up that camera... They had a direct feed on the opposing team's catcher giving the signs, and then they relayed that information right down in the dugout as you step down inside, to the, you take a right, and about 15, 20 feet away on the right-hand side, they had a trash can set up with a monitor and a computer relaying that information directly to an individual. He would pick up those signs, and if it was an off-speed pitch or a fastball, based on what information he gathered from the signs from that opposing catcher, he'd run over to the trash can and hit it with a baseball bat or whatever tool he used to, to make that sound. So if you hear two thuds, you know it's coming in hot. It's going to be a fastball. If you don't hear anything, it's going to be an off-speed pitch. Do you want to sit back? Do you want to take a curveball? Depends on where you're at in the count if you uh, miss, uh, swung and missed on a fastball early on. Th that information alone, that's basically what started it all. Am I wrong, Rich? What do you... What That's... Uh, you were spot on, Jordan, and Araldis Chapman, who's the closer for my New York Yankees, the reaction initially when Altuve walked off to end the series said it all. And I'm not a bitter Yankees fan. <clears throat> you know, the steroid era was real, oh, and some of our championships had players that were using as was all of MLB. The owners turned a blind eye. It was a different era back then. To get butts the back in the seats. Because the, the 94 strike really hurt the sport. Yes, it did. It, but was, I, it was a dying sport. It was on the way But out. I will say, 
you know, we're talking about what do these three men have in common and, and things of that nature. As far as I'm concerned, Shoeless Joe and Pete Rose belong in the Hall of Fame. And if I'm the guy that's dulling out penalties, A.J. Hinch belongs forgotten, released, and goodbye. Now, is that because it's uh, relevant now? Is that because it's newsworthy now and you're hearing it? Would you feel the same way when, uh, if you were alive and, and going strong through the whole Pete Rose era and also the Shoeless Joe Jackson era? I bet you you'd be vehemently against them being in the Hall of Fame or equally as angry, if not more. Is it just because it's fresh in your mind? Is it? No, sir. I'm going to disagree because Pete Rose showed his worth as a Hall of Fame talent. Shoeless Joe Jackson was possibly the only man on that squad that played it out, although he knew what was going on. He was the leading... Uh, he was the minority in the clubhouse. He was, he was the best hitter on A. that A.J. Hinch led men... In the wrong direction. In the wrong direction to tarnish the American game. And You're I'm sorry. It's different, though, because it's the manager. Absolutely. Not, player. not a player, right? Pete well, Rose is Rose the league was, leader. Right. Rose leader. was a manager post-career. Right. My point is, as a player, that man belongs in the Hall of Fame. Okay. And by all that means, his point. Yeah. Put, right. his, put his scars to the game on there. But that man belongs put, in the well, Hall of Fame. Put what he did in his career as a player into the Hall of Fame. But what he did as a manager, even still, I think it's wrong. But if you're... I guess what I'm getting at, guys, is, is the punishment... Uh, fitting of the crime, like uh, you know, what happened to Shoeless Joe and Pete? Absolutely not. And then what's happening to AJ Hinch? I mean, in my opinion, if you're doing that to to Joe and Pete, AJ Hinch has got to be right there with him, <laughs> if not buried ten feet further. I think AJ Hinch, what he did was worse, far worse, in my opinion. Far but, worse, you know, and I feel that lifetime expulsion is something that I would be a fan of. And I just want to make happen. one quick comment about sure, the way sure. the Hall of Fame works, and that I'm really disgusted with. You take a man like the great Phil Rizzuto, he did wartime, one of the biggest winners in Yankee history in terms of bringing home the brass. This man did not make the Hall of Fame until one of his fiercest rivals, Roy Campanella, was off of the voting board. And I think that speaks volumes about the prejudice amongst these voters. Derek Jeter not getting a complete okay in the manner that Mariano got. Right. I could understand it because I feel that he had a couple of lackluster years towards the end because he did play a long time, and he wasn't the same player years 17 through 20 that he was the first 16, and I'll be the first to admit that as a Yankee fan. Definitely not, but back to uh, bringing it back into Houston, guys. Honestly, to break it down more for, for you, Elliot, and, and maybe the casual viewer of baseball, they perfected and honed in on this uh, May 18th of 2017. So the beginning of the season, they were still working out those kinks and didn't have everything perfected. But May 18th, there's a website called signstealing.com. And basically what happened is a a Houston Astro fan took a compilation of all the videos of every single game where there was an at-bat where uh, they were banging on trash cans and getting uh, direct. Uh, there was a correlation between direct positive results uh, due to having that knowledge. So look up this website. Look what this guy's done. He's made a compilation of great videos, and it's and he's a fan of the Astros. And he says on that website, "I'm horribly embarrassed and humbled by this, but my team is is blatantly cheating. It's blatant cheating." Now, that's from an Astros fan. That's and he's also a true baseball fan. But here's something that a lot of people. Two very 
big points to me that a lot of people overlook. Yes, that team made it to the, to the World Series. They won the World Series. Uh, but by having that knowledge, not only does it help the hitter, think about this. When you're getting on base, let's say you get, let's say you get a walk because you're waiting on an off-speed pitch that you know might be out of the zone. Or, uh, you know, a single because you knew a fastball was coming in. You get, to, you get to first base. Now the game changes because the base runner has an advantage to steal a bag. So if you know an off-speed pitch is coming and you have a, you know, a mediocre lead off of first, you're going to take a little bit more comfortable of a lead. When you know a curveball changeup or a slider is coming in, you know you're getting the jump on that catcher. That is a huge advantage and a huge disadvantage to the opposing team going into Minute Maid Field. But, I mean, I want to know, so from my perspective, no one's talking about Bill Belichick not getting in the hall, all right? Mm -hmm. But Spygate's a thing, is it not? Yes, sir. So can, obviously it sounds like this is a more severe advantage given to Houston using this technology, but but how? Like, it it sounds similar. Maybe it's just a difference in the sports, but maybe... It's very similar, I believe. Well, so, but why is the reaction so much more severe? This is the... uh, I'm sorry, Rich. I'm going to jump in. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Basically, what what Elliot's asking is, is it's, it's the same thing, essentially, but with Belichick, they're taking that tape and reviewing it for, you know, let's say five, six days before the next game. Or whatever it may be. I'm not sure exactly the details on that. Mm-hmm. With the Astros, I think why it was such a slap in the face for the casual fan, and even more so for the avid fan like myself and Rich, is that it was live streaming a direct feed to their dugout. During the letting game. Letting them know in the game, in the postseason. Okay, okay. You're changing the course of people's careers. Yeah. You're changing the course of... The course of history. Of history. There are players that were uh, on the cusp of... And, and here's the other thing. If you're if you're a player and you're on the brink of a free agency and you're an Astro and you made it to the World Series and won and then you're a player that's uh, knocked out by the Astros and you're now a free agent, who's getting more on that market the next year? That's a valid point. The, the, cheating, yeah, the cheating Astro, that's millions of dollars. Yeah. Now to make the comparison <clears throat> between what Belichick was accused of and on some terms punished for versus what Hinch did, one thing I will say, yes, on a small scale, I agree. Sure, sure, but go ahead, go ahead. No, by all means, Elliot, we're chiming in all day. I feel that with a new commissioner in the form of Roger Goodell, when this broke initially with the Spygate thing in 07, you're talking about a man whose seat wasn't warm yet. Mm-hmm. Manfred's been in his seat a little while, and I'm not assuming what Goodell's position was on it initially, but it's certainly... You always try to do damage control when you're protecting your brand. And I feel that some of the punishments that were initially doled out... That's a great point. That's a great point. ...were to try to put this to bed before it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It wasn't severe enough. But but do you believe that? Because I've heard some people thinking that this might actually help baseball. Baseball's now falling behind... No doubt about it. ...soccer in popularity in this this country. Right now as we speak, gentlemen, right now as we speak, gentlemen, a soccer game is being played. Oh, well, all the time, every day, which is why it's so popular, but now that's a top three sport as as far as viewers, and there's a, I can't think of the name right now, we'll fact check it later, but there's a poll every year that um, surveys people on what they watch. And the big three in this country is now football, Basketball and soccer, not, and the gap between soccer and basketball is not huge. Now, of course, we're going to be talking about baseball a lot. So, 
I think this probably, I don't, I just wonder how much they really wanted to cover this up. Right, and that's, that's a great point. And to that point, uh, bad exposure is still exposure. Well, look at the Trump model, not to sport. get political, but so, yeah. Right. Like with Hollywood, bad publicity, any publicity it's is publicity. good publicity. Yeah. Right, and if you're a, a sport that's falling off, and it's falling off quickly, mm -hmm. the median age of a baseball fan is 65 years old. Yes, That's sir. That's insane. You're talking about the boomers, what they grew up with. Seven, think about all the kids that are 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. You factor that into a median age and you're still 60 plus? That's insanity to me. I can't. I didn't think that was a real fact. Uh, and we'll have to fact check that on where I got that from, but I will find that I've heard you. similar numbers That's thrown, insane. though. It's That's 50, why I'm 60, grateful. Yeah. Grateful for guys like the recently retired Curtis Granderson that is on, on the same level as the recently Departing Kobe Bryant, who we will touch on later, that is wants to expand the game around the world, and Grandy has brought that, and uh, it's a blessing for Major League Baseball that you have an advocate for the sport on that level. Yeah, and there are a, others great, that are going to follow in those footsteps. That's a great guy. There's a huge opportunity for baseball to come back too, because of um, TTE, concussions, all all the head trauma which happens in football right. and soccer, and baseball may be trending away from that and towards baseball. Yeah, uh, and that's a valid point. Yeah, that is a valid point because as a father, we all want our kids to yeah. be safe. Yes, which is which is why it's important. That's why we want to talk about baseball because I mean I personally want to learn more about it because I think that this sport isn't going anywhere. And you will right here. Yeah, and so, well, of course. <laughs> and so I wonder if this along. negative publicity might be a, a springing up point. It's a good thing, sport. you know. And you got to think about it also with uh, to Rich's point earlier, the steroid era kind of brought baseball back into the limelight yeah, and, so and it was at the wild. highest it had the high some of the highest 100 percent facts jordan 100 percent in 20 30 years you're talking about I mean, these owners that turned a blind eye because above all else they wanted to get butts back in seats yeah because the 94 world series which was was not played hurt so many people because you're talking about working class people spending their hard-earned money of course to go to these ball games that are in the heat of a pennant race and then you have a 94 strike that is that, that pissed a lot of people off as a yankee fan i was disgusted because i would have loved to see what would have happened my favorite player happens to be don mattingly that was his greatest chance at going to the fall classic and that will always haunt me as a fan so how do you rebound back from that you let people kind of you know you let get Martin captivated Wire and barry bonds and sammy sosa do whatever they need to do to kind of start hitting dingers on a regular basis. The casual fan got captivated. You know, and that was the more, thing. And they did. They, they were enamored by it. Uh, you know, people had boats in McCovey Cove waiting for dingers from Bonds. That's, that's correct, that's sir. That's unheard of. That's correct, So then sir. I wonder, you guys have been pretty pretty adamant that you're disgusted by this latest scandal, right? Very. But more so than any other. Well, but why? Because if they had to do it, what makes this worse? Right. And... and, and the level, that's kind of what the question I asked earlier, is the punishment matching the crime? Absolutely I don't, I don't really not. know. Well, I'm going to run down. I have some of the penalties that they faced. Let's I'm going to run it. down them real quick with you guys and give them uh, to the listener here. And, and just, I want you guys to chime in and see if it's appropriate. Because when I read this, initially, I, I was, like Elliot said, I was very upset. And I don't know that it was correct. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, maybe these, maybe these are kind of uh, appropriate. But here we go. Astros were fined $5 million, the maximum allowed under the MLB's constitution. 
Dropping the bucket. Dropping you the bucket. You hear some of these contracts. No. And you hear that number. Me as an avid fan, I'm like, that's that's not. They don't care right. about that. It's right. not enough. It's a slap on the wrist, if you yeah, ask me. So we're gonna get to the to the one that okay. matters the most in, in just a few minutes. But the GM Jeff Lanau was suspended for one year, and then when they realized uh, the crap was hitting the fan, Lanau was then fired by the Astros pretty quickly after, as well as manager AJ Hench was suspended right. for a year from baseball, and then the Astros. Subsequently, let him go as well. Basically, at the same time as Lenau. Uh, former assistant GM Brandon Tobman was suspended for a year. I think that's a great move, letting you know that, hey, it trickles downhill, man. Absolutely, sure. You know? sure. Uh, but here's the biggest one to me, which made me, I sat back over a beer and I thought of this, and I'm like, this is devastating. And if it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich and L, let me know. Astros forfeit their first and second round draft picks. That's a fact. The next two years, 2020 and 2021. Yes, sir. That is huge. And, and you're talking, in the scheme of things, millions of dollars potentially, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars with these contracts with Trout, uh, with uh, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, with uh, Manny Machado out in San Diego now. Giancarlo Stanton, the list goes on. A third of a, exactly, a third of a billion dollars. And these are some of the, uh, you know, some of potentially what could have been top draft picks that these guys, I mean, not those players specifically, but in the future, these guys are losing in the next two because years. Because you're as good as your farm and you filter out talent to keep your window open to keep being relevant. Right, right. In terms of to answer <clears throat> your question I, I, on my side, it's a hard one to judge because it's unprecedented. It and is. it's not easy for any commissioner to deal with. Swift punishment is necessary. And I think in Manfred's eyes, that's what he has done. There will always be disagreements moving forward on what is right and wrong. But to your point earlier, the fact that everybody and their mother is talking about it, even though it's a scandal, is good for it's Major good. League it's Baseball. It's good for the ballgame. So, again, speaking from a place of pure ignorance, are the draft picks really that big? Right. Because the baseball, I know for a fact, just as a, let's say as a Gators fan, I know plenty of players have been drafted while they're in college playing football, who then never even play baseball. Correct. Yes, so how important are the, can we... Maybe, maybe, and that's a great point to bring up. Might be a big up. subject, but... Anyway. So why I thought about that were those were the extremes in both, um, both scenarios. So in both cases, if those two draft picks would have been the next Bryce Harper yes, or sir. the next Manny Machado, yes, sir. that's how I laid it out on paper. Sure. So that's about as severe as it could have been. But is it actually... Uh, an effective punishment because those draft picks, as you just pointed out, and as we all know, as a, a even a casual sports fan against or, uh, watching any sport, a draft pick doesn't always pan out. Yeah, you know how many bus stories we have? It doesn't. It might not even affect them. It might be as or on the same level as that five million dollar fine. To my initial point about damage control, we live in a society where we forget about things as quick as we remember them. Mm -hmm. I feel that they're trying to do their best job of quick, swift punishment. But at the same time, damage control, because above all else, you want to protect the logo. Yeah, and, that, yeah, and the brand is, you know, that's their primary focus. And keep like that, I said, keep unprecedented. So it's not the easiest call no, to make. So baseball, to me, has run on scandals for a long time, though. Again, as a, as a not a fan, um, a very casual observer, but we've listed several eras just in our rundown yes. oh, yeah. uh, of different great baseball players and managers that... Had scandals attached to them. Absolutely. I guess what I'm getting at, we can go into depth more uh, on another podcast as what the Astros did specifically, but I'm sure that information is out there and everybody has that at their sure, fingertips. Sure. But what I'm saying is, the punishment for AJ Hench, it's it's still 
uh, awaiting to see if the, he's actually going to get uh, expelled from the MLB for life, banned for life. I think it's appropriate. If you do that to Pete Rose and you do that to Shoeless Joe Jackson. And they were more important than A.J. Hinch, no disrespect. Far more. No disrespect to A.J. Hinch at all, but far more important uh, to the success of their team. And you don't do that to Hinch? I mean, that's, that's a slap in the face but to But without it being fan. on paper, there's a real thing as a blacklist. And sure. by oh, just yeah, his name is. attached there to this, is, yeah. I mean, look at Carlos Beltran. Yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, Alex Cora, another him. example. It trickles yes, downhill, sir. like I said earlier. So, you know, it, you have other teams and other players that are affected directly or indirectly by this scandal. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal, man. It, and whether you see it as good for baseball or bad for baseball, we're talking about baseball. It's, that's the As a Yankees fan, yeah. I'll just on a, on a slight bit of humor to kind of detour around the negativity of this. As a Yankees fan, I'm kind of licking my chops because you're talking about the last two American League teams that actually took it home. Obviously, the Washington Nationals won this year. Yeah, yeah. Yankees were were sniffing the World Series. They were very close, particularly the 17 team that kind of overachieved. I am very much looking forward to seeing what the Yankees bring. But it's also, even in the Garrett Cole signing, once again, a member of the Houston Astros. Houston Astros, right. So it's very complex. A lot of, lot of, uh, lot of a details. A lot of subtle nuances that are going to come to the surface and are going to shock everybody. But guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills real quick and uh, do a commercial and uh, take a quick five, ten minute break. We'll be back with you guys right after this. We'll get into Kobe. We're going to jump right into that. We can't ignore that. Such Not a at huge, all. Such a huge conversation we have. And we look we'll forward to discussing that. that with you guys. Guys, yeah, welcome back. Um, just took a short break. Thanks for bearing with us and uh, coming back to, to listen. So I want to jump right into it, though. Very obvious topic that everybody's covering right now, and it's tremendously sad, and it's kind of touched everybody in a different way uh, in the sports world and otherwise. Um, and I'm obviously talking about Kobe Bryant. It affected me on a different level because I have a daughter that's 14 months old. And when I got the news from a friend that I work with that he had passed away, I thought it was a bad joke and I thought it was not real. I didn't want it to be real. And that's because I grew up loving Michael Jordan, but in my high school days, I admired and idolized Kobe Bryant. And, you know, everybody has their own perspective and viewpoint on this, uh, but it, it just hit me differently. I don't know how you guys felt in the moment when you found out but I, I, I kind of knew that I would remember where I was for the rest of my life when I found out Kobe passed. And it, and it hit me it hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. And I don't know if that's the same for everybody, but, you know, it definitely it caught me off guard. And I, I just, I, you know. I do remember distinctly I was about to leave to my, my in-law's house with my wife and my son. And actually, uh, you, Jordan, you were the one that told me the news. I thought you, I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. I was like, shit, somebody uh, pulled a hoax on Jordan and pulled the wool over him. So I was like, there's no fucking a helicopter crash the, the the day after LeBron passes him and scoring. Like, it sounded like the internet timing nonsense. Wasn't, the timing wasn't right, right? Yeah, it seemed yeah. It seemed fabricated for fake news and, yeah. and just, you know... I mean, I don't have the text Click pulled up, but I was like, no, nah, Jordan, come on. Like, who told you that? And you, yeah. you were like, no, dude, look it up. And, and it was just wild because the news was breaking. Like, we, we were yeah. watching it as the story developed. Rick Fox's name got pulled up as one of the deceased at one point by ESPN, of all people. And CNN said, the thing that upset me the most, sorry to interrupt you, no, but no, no. the thing that CNN 
reported and how they get away with this bad journalism is they say allegedly Kobe Bryant and all four of his daughters are on the helicopter. Yeah. I wanted to vomit. It's a ton of misinformation. As someone, um, obviously the listeners, you don't know this, but I'm, I have a degree in journalism from the University of Florida. And one of the first things they teach you is wait, get the story, get the facts right. Get the facts correct. Better to be late and correct than to publish first. And that has been flipped on its head in this in this era. That's why nobody trusts the media. Right, right. Right. That's why you didn't trust the text that I even sent you. Right. Relying on the information. Someone I completely trust. I was just figuring bad information. Whole different subject because honestly, it's about Kobe Bryant and his family, and the others lost. But yeah, I mean, Rich, um, I know you got pulled into it too. And what was going on? Where were you when you were hearing this? I was working at my second job, and uh, it's a wide open atmosphere. I needed to get off the floor because it was heartbreaking. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a basketball fan to feel the weight of it. Uh, you're talking about a son is gone, Kobe being someone's son. You're talking about a father, a four-time father. A husband. Gone, husband. A, a brother. husband, a brother to many. And, and, you know, you pick your family sometimes. And when I say brother, you're talking about the many NBA players and just basketball players in general. An idol, touched. a mentor. Outside of basketball, guys. he yeah. had a wide I mean, we could talk about it more, but, you know, he affected so many people. Um, I'll be very honest and candid. Uh, when Kobe first came up, by the way, just letting the viewers know, my favorite basketball player, although I am a New York Knicks fan, was always Magic Johnson. And uh, Magic's career was ended prematurely by an uneducated world with the HIV virus because right now, should that situation happen to a player, he can still play. But um, I wasn't the keenest on Kobe when he first came up because I felt that it was a lot too quick. You're talking about a young man coming out of high school. 17 years old. I mean, my God, he he took Brandy to the prom, so he kind of broke my heart. That's how a lot of people knew him first. Yes, sir. That Brandy prom thing. Absolutely, but um, as time continued on, I grew to admire the man, more so for his mentorship and just his fierce competitive nature, as opposed to what team you're affiliated with, what team you root for. What What I admire about him on the human level He was a phenomenal father. He gave back to the underprivileged. He gave back to the game that gave him so much. And I feel that not just the basketball world, but the world in general has taken a massive loss. And I feel for Vanessa and his remaining three children. And um, I must say, the last time that I felt that terrible on any given day was actually uh, when 9-11 occurred in my hometown. Me uh, as my well. home state, that, I should say. If but you, devastating. And it's, and it's weird to con, uh, you know, compare it to 9-11. Absolutely. As one person, especially somebody, you know, an athlete like Kobe, to you know, thousands of people lost in 9-11 and, of course, the recourse from that. But that was the last time that I was that devastated, that shook on a personal level by the loss of a person or people that I had never met before. Yeah, and, I agree. But it, it just struck me on a different nerve, on a different level. Uh, but, you know, I want to, in, in this moment, I want to discuss some of the great things that Kobe did. As a lot of people have been doing lately, 
I just want to give them some praise and just kind of remember them for the next five or ten minutes and talk about some of the coolest moments that you guys remember and enjoyed watching growing up. Because, I mean, I was in high school uh, watching this guy just blow up, man. Number eight. Started out number eight. Ended up number 24. Do you guys know why he was number eight? Yeah. I actually never heard that story. And, and the cool thing is, I didn't either. I had to do some research. But this is what's cool is I get to deliver this to you guys all at once and to our listeners. But he wore number eight because he wore the number 143 at the ABCD Adidas Top Prospect Camp. Wow. What does one and four and three equal when you add them up? Wow. So he's like, I got all that love from the Top Prospect Camp. I want to show them some love back. I'm going to add those numbers up, and that's the number I'm going to be. It was available. He actually wanted to wear number 33, uh, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had, you know, the Lakers retired that number because he was actually 33 at the end of his high school career. He started out, oddly enough, as number 24 in high school and then switched to number 33. And then so he wanted to carry that into the NBA, couldn't because of Kareem, and then went with that, uh, that Adidas camp, uh, you know, added those numbers up and came up with number eight. That's what he rocked with. Half his career and then, of course, reinvented himself in 20, uh, I'm sorry, 2006, 2007, that season before that started, switched to number 24. And oddly enough, I read something pretty cool. Almost equal scoring seasons. 16,877 as number 24. And I, I, I think it was like 16,779 as number 8. That's incredibly close. And, and, and really cool for reinventing yourself with two different numbers. And, and you know, he had a lot of different things that he was dealing with then as a player and as a person, as a human being. But that's the story behind why he was number eight. I thought that was pretty fascinating. And I wanted to share that with you guys and the listener as well. But um, if you didn't already know that, a lot of our listeners probably already do know that. But what is your most memorable moment watching Kobe as a kid, you know, growing up, El? What do you, what do you remember the most? Like, what just sticks out? Because, I, I mean, there's so many moments. He has a 20-year yeah. career that was just phenomenal. The guy was incredible on the court and off the court. But what do you remember on the court that he did that just kind of had you almost as shook as when we lost him that he did in basketball? I mean, I can honestly think of a few. I mean, you know, I'm a bit younger than you guys, so I honestly have more specific memories from later in his career. Uh, specifically as a Magic fan, him trashing us in the, uh, what was it, the 9 Finals. Yes, sir. 40 points really in his first bad. game. Yes, sir. Uh, finals MVP. You know, Kobe did Kobe, and that, that kind of says everything. Yeah. Kobe was Kobe. I mean, you look at that, you compare that to his last game, you know, the, the guy never stopped. 60 points in his last 60, game. 60 points in his last game. That's Phenomenal. Sure. As, how old was he when he retired? I mean, you know... That's a long career. I think he was... I don't actually know that. I think he was 36. I don't know he that that's passed accurate, at 41. Though. He retired in 2017. So okay, he had to I'm be off there a 38. I'm off there. I'm saying yeah. 38, 37. Either way, very much on the uh, back end of his career. And, you know, for someone that was compared to Jordan constantly, he's the only person that really has met those expectations. He emulated Jordan. No disrespect to LeBron. No, definitely but, not. But, but Kobe Different was player, the guy... Well, player. of course. Different style. Kobe... Emulated Jordan. He was and made his, clone. It his own. Right. Well, he, he was. He his emulated clone. his game. Have you guys seen the video clips where they uh, superimpose uh, Kobe's image and jersey on Jordan, and it looks identical, and vice versa? They put Jordan on Kobe's moves, and it looks 
identical. It's it, it's uncanny. It's uncanny to say the least. Uh, the way Kobe elevated his game, uh, phenomenal. And you know he had the blessing of having one of the greatest centers of all time during a, a three-peat, which is no small feat. But you know. Shaq won those three straight MVPs, and I think it was healthy for both their careers to separate after um, a little bit of a tumultuous ending. Uh, you know, brothers are brothers, and brothers are going to fight sometimes. But uh, I think what really identified Kobe to L's uh, point was uh, winning it on his own, not without the support of a Pau Gasol or other role players. I remember Derek Fisher putting the dagger in the magic. <laughs> Yes, you know, sir. and he's another great, but you know, this being on Kobe. Um, 09 was there, was his first finals without Shaq, am I right? Or, um, that is correct. Okay. And yeah, that was his team. The Shaq Exodus. Yeah. Yeah, or the divorce, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, actually, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be a stickler. He did lose to the Celtics the previous year, but to your he point, did, but he, the first finals he won post Shaq. Right, right, right. Which, uh, you know, I'm gonna it, admit, it's very, you know, you're, you're losing, like, literally one of the greatest centers yeah. ever. Your game's going to change. Yes, and it was and his stuck team. Together, it was winning. his team at that point, and he arrived. Yeah. I'm going to make a statement, though. Uh, only Wilt Chamberlain scored more points in a game than Kobe. 100 points in a game from Wilt back in uh, 1962. Kobe scored 81 against the Raptors in a win on January 22nd, 2006. 122 to 104. He had 18 free throws. Guess how many assists? You're not getting that many assists when you're putting up 81. <laughs> yeah. the same. 81 points. I mean, four? Two. Two, okay. two assists. Two assists. <laughs> you're, not, you're not looking good there. You're not sharing the ball much, but that was his night points, to share. You don't, gotta share. you don't have to share. You're not sharing. That, to me, very unforgettable, very memorable moment uh, in the Kobe world. And, and, and in my world, watching him in high school, I mean, unbelievable. That was 2006, I was actually in college, but um, tearing his Achilles in 2013 against Golden State, and then making both free throws to tie the game, and then leaving the game to go to the locker room to tend to his torn Achilles. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Who, and who, and I mean, that was a game where he was hampered from the jump in uh, his, his documentary uh, Muse which uh, was released in 2015 he divulges into that particular game but uh, just that alone goes into play on what the whole Mamba mentality is about that man loved the sport and respected the sport so much that he would put his own injury before, uh, excuse me, after, you know, the team and what is going on in the moment. And you see a lot of guys even post-tragedy that haven't suited up because of this tragic loss. But quite frankly, God forbid if Kobe was on the receiving end of losing a teammate or losing a brother or losing someone who he genuinely loved, one thing I know about that man is that that man would have suited up and that man would have performed at the highest level, and it's a massive loss. And I think... To yeah. that point, though, and, and great points, though, but to your point, Kyrie was his mentee. Mm-hmm. And, among uh, others. It, it, among others. But that, even Kobe said, 
they asked him directly, who was the, who did you have the most influence on directly? And he said it was, it was Kyrie. Kyrie called, he actually FaceTimed Kobe and Gigi after winning, coming back and beating Golden State. When they were down 3-1 and they came back and beat Golden State, the first person, they're popping bottles of champagne. Kyrie FaceTimes Kobe. That's really cool, man. That's really, he touched so many different people on, on such high levels and low levels and in and, and every demographic. Um, you know, so we'll kind of wrap it up there, but I mean, that we have to pay respect and pay homage to Kobe. Was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was another story I heard told about how he, um, he called Gordon Hayward after yeah. his injury. Yeah. I mean, I believe Kobe was retired at that point. He's the first guy that called him after the That's injury. That's really cool, man. You know, he, he kept in touch with players that were hurting. He was encouraging people. He stayed in the game. I uh, told you guys, we were off the mic outside <coughs> talking about it, but I know for a fact he was involved with um, soccer in a big way. He, um, Our hometown city uh, a team, Orlando City, he was in town weeks before he passed um, doing a promotion, meeting those players, and they were greatly affected by him too. It's just... A global impact from the loss of this yeah, it's guy. Not just, it's not just Malibu and L.A. and all that. It, it, no, he, his his reach was was very far, and he touched a lot of people. And the, I mean, part of the hugest tragedy isn't is also, of course, the others lost. But a lot, yeah, Gigi, other... everyone that has watched her play has told me, and I've heard it reported, she was she was going to change the game for women as well. She was UConn bound, the Olympics. We're in her future. I mean, that girl was raw talent. She was a female, a young female version of Kobe Bryant. And it's, it's just... To Kobe's credit, one thing that I have to give him is every dude wants at least one son. He had the blessing of having four beautiful daughters. Gigi had the ability to carry on her father's legacy. And I think something that needs to be noted about the greatness of Kobe post-career is that he put so much into women's basketball, giving Huge. these young ladies the opportunity to perform at the highest level and to invest in it and reinvest in it, just shows the kind of man he was. And adapting to situations, because if this is a conversation having 20 years ago, there were limitations on the opportunities for a lot of great women. Right. Still are, and but, not, you know... Not only, you know, what he, what he did for the NBA, he made it a point to... Uh, push the objective for the WNBA. He made it. He wanted it to be uh, more accessible to the uh, the casual viewer. He wanted it to be. He wanted more women to have an opportunity that weren't given an opportunity in in high school or even middle school. He was helping young girls uh, with his with his. He created a basketball academy. That's where they were going. That's where they were I mean, going. You know? Phenomenal. He's yeah. creating opportunities Phenomenal. out of nothing for these young women. To develop and, and build confidence in themselves, and I mean that's what sports do anyway. We all played sports. I mean that's what they do. But he's, you know, harboring that and just in, in growing that for them. And and now nobody has what he had, and nobody has the ability to do what Kobe had, uh, what what he could do. And now he's gone, and that's that's what's devastating for these young women. He was going to be an advocate to push. Uh, the sports world for them in the right direction and that's such an unfortunate and all I can say on that matter is you pray that his basketball peers those that were closest to him there's only one Kobe 
but, but you hope and pray that some of his basketball peers can step up and try to help take over in something that was undone. I like, think they will. Great job, great job by Kobe, and uh, just total humble admiration and respect for uh, a wonderful soul just taken too soon. On the on, you know, we'll wrap it up real quick, but I want to make one more point um, discussing. Gordon Hayward again, oddly enough, you know, to his character as well, Kobe went to the line in the game, in his last game to score 60. He actually went to the free throw line. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. And Gord, sure Gordon, Hayward, uh, Gordon Hayward stepped into the lane in case he missed the shot to draw a violation and immediately looked at the ref and said, hey, 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 like, you know, make sure you get this. In case he missed it, of course he made it. It's Kobe. That's sad. I'd be surprised Kobe didn't get mad that he doubted him. Yeah. Could have made it with his yeah, eyes closed. Close. You know Could have made it with his eyes closed. It's disrespectful, but no, just the <laughs> the respect that Hayward had for Kobe to give him that chance and say, "Look, man, I'll I'll draw a foul right here just to make sure you get another shot in case you miss this." That is the the brotherhood and the camaraderie and the love. I just love seeing that within the sport. And you can see it now that Kobe's gone. It's personified in all these players. It's it's. It's devastating to see it in this way, but we always knew it was there. That's really cool, you know. It was just cool to see Hayward step up in a time that, that really mattered, and, it, and a lot of people wouldn't even know that. They wouldn't even pay attention to stuff like that. Gentlemen, on a lighter note, just to um, kind of shortly explain how Kobe became a Laker and how the one-two power punch of he and Shaq started, what I found very fascinating listening to a Jerry West interview was the NBA was approaching a lockout. And, you know, the tampering things are very real. Jerry West had to rely on a verbal confirmation from the great Shaquille O'Neal that he was going to come over to L.A. Because, you know, at the time, L.A. had a very good center in Vladi Divac, top five center at the time. A lot of people, when uh, the Lakers were pitching out Vladi, were like, what's wrong with him? Why are you trading him for this high school kid? Because people didn't see the big picture or the big vision. And, uh, you know, he was stated as saying that, you know, a lot of guys went in the first round. Out of respect, he didn't name these other players who Kobe was superior to. And I give Jerry West credit for that out of respect to the other players. But uh, essentially, he was able to trade Vladi Divac straight up for Kobe Bryant, knowing that he was going to sign a max contract to Shaq, but he needed Divac's departure from the team in order for that to happen. And I'll tell you, you could put that those two... The form of Kobe and Shaq and against anybody. What a duo he created by being ballsy, you know? Yeah, just, just, phenomenal. I want to wrap it up real quick. Just, you know, what a great athlete. What a great man. What a great mentor. I idolized him in high school. Not my favorite player overall. Still, it's Michael Jordan. But you still need to um, give credit where it's due. And you have to just show love to that guy. Kobe is a once-in-a-generation player. Changed the ball game completely. And in, after his career, uh, worked for women and, and, like we said earlier, just was making strides that other people are not going to be able to do. So I want to, you know, there's no better way to do this, but I just want to kind of segue into the Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl Sunday, guys. So um, San Francisco, Kansas City, boys, what are your, uh, let's get some predictions going. What do you think? What's, what's the vibe? What's, what's the feeling, Rich? It's, it's going to be an interesting showdown. I wish it would have happened in uh, 94 when we could have 
Steve Young and Joe Montana. Nonetheless, <laughs> it's going to be a great showdown. Um, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs, and I know that the old adage is defense wins championships, but most defenses don't have to deal with Patrick Mahomes. Right. And uh, Kelsey and Watkins and Hill. Uh, yeah, keep naming and, guys. Yeah, I mean, where, where do we where do we stop Williams as a receiving Thompson, back? I, mean, I got to shout out my Gators. Yeah, hey, get him in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get him in Thompson, there. Thompson, we got. I think uh, Marcel Harris is playing on the other side. Just uh, got to get him in there, man. Is he a rookie too? Is that what? No, I, no, 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 no. They were actually around the same time. My guys were uh, from the um, championship era. From oh, okay. 06 to 08. Oh, okay. Long. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They've long. been in It's actually more impressive. Deontay Thompson, he um, didn't have a strong start to his NFL career, but now he's doing the thing. The hey, Chiefs. Man. Just takes the right destination and the right coaching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The right situation sometimes. Guys are late bloomers. Yeah, and you made it this far. It's their time to shine. And I think my prediction is San Francisco. I've been on them, like you guys heard, uh, you know, since week five. We made our own predictions. Mine was San Fran since, since week five. Uh, their defense is just powerful, stacked. Same comments. Well we made balanced. Last week. Well balanced. They have three great halfbacks in, uh, uh, you know, Matt Breda. Coleman, Breda, yeah. and Mostar. And Coleman comes back very healthy today. Very, very healthy. And we thought he was going to be possibly out. Um, and then you also can't forget about the fullback. Uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, Juziak, or how do you say it? Juziak? I believe it's Juzik. But, Juzik, uh, yeah. We'll fact check that. Yeah, let's fact check. I should have done it before we jumped out of there. Hopefully it's not Booger McFarlane. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) buddy. But uh, (laughs) having said that, Jordan, what's your prediction, buddy? What what do you got as a final here? So my prediction as of last week was uh, George Kittle being the MVP. Garoppolo has a huge night. Uh, San Fran's D really steps up, tries to keep Mahomes off the field. And they do that by getting two interceptions. One of which, as we said outside, is going to come from Sherman. Um, I like San Fran's D to keep him off the field and slow them down and then use that run game to extend that, to just run that clock, you know, and work the game in their favor. So I think San Fran ultimately ends up on top in, you know, kind of a, the over-under I think is 54 and a half. Yes, I don't sir. think it's getting there. I really don't. I, I about a week or two ago, it was a little higher than that, and I thought it might go over. It might be a shootout uh, just because of Mahomes and, and Garoppolo but and all the weapons that they both have, but I don't think it's going to get there. A lot of people don't give KC enough credit for their secondary, which mm-hmm. has actually really started to shine and gotten them to this point, quite frankly. So show when you're some down love 24, to you got to play some defense to get <laughs> yeah. back in the ball game. Show some <laughs> secondary love to that, you know, to that defense. That's, that's but, a good point because I think, you know, through the playoffs, the Chiefs have fallen behind early both of their games, if I'm not mistaken. Both, yes. Both games they yes. fell behind. I think they're going to flip the script and jump out to a 14-point lead tonight. And I'll tell you guys from my prediction, I have not believed in the Niners all season long. I'm going to pick them. You I'm really, picking them you really have been off of that boat. I, but, I couldn't see it, but and that's okay, man. We, we, we all America. He's a Dallas fan too. Yeah, 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 on that. yeah, we, did, we yeah. actually did predictions, and I think. Elliot's prediction was uh, the New England Patriots. No, oh, yeah, I think so. Let's take a look I real quick. But did uh, you know it's something that you just never really actually know. Here it is, right here. I got it right here. Elliot, New England Patriots. Jordan, San Francisco 49ers. Richie, the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Uh, 
Big trust. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> uh, I don't trust you anymore. I'm saying I'm saying 34-28 to the Niners. Ooh. I think the Chiefs are, are going to jump out to that lead. I think the Niners are going to take control of the game late. In the I like second that score quarter. too. That, now, let me ask you, all, is that going four quarters or you know? I noticed a six point differential. Is that an overtime game or are we no, talking no, four no. quarters? We're, we're figuring it's going to be regulation. I think it's going to be 14 to three at the half. I think the Niners are going to come out strong. They're going to stick to the guns. They are going to run the ball as they do. They are not going to panic. That's what I like about this team is they stay calm. They, 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 play, run they, their, they stay within themselves. They, they do. Well, 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 unit. They do. And I John Lynch I wanna, put together a hell of a, a, hell of a team. I want to throw something out to you guys real quick. And if you haven't heard this, <laughs> this is pretty cool. I don't, and it doesn't really mean a damn thing. But it's always fun to kind of throw this in there. Madden. What do you think the Madden prediction was? Have you heard this, guys, or no? Uh, I mean, I've heard it done before. I hadn't okay, heard this so year. Not this particular one. Okay, yeah. so it was done. And the winner of the Super Bowl, 20-7, to 7, which is not far-fetched if you think about it. I think it's going to be more, you know, it's going to be a high-scoring game. More octane. More than that. Yeah, but Madden said 20-7 to 7 in favor of the 49ers. Oh, boy. And they said Mahomes gets picked off three times. I don't think that's happening at all. Their defense is great on, on the San Fran side, but that's not happening. You're not picking off Mahomes three times. Uh, I think twice, and that's going to be, that's even for me, that's a stretch. So, but with all due respect to Madden, which is a game that I worship, they also did pick the Buffalo Bills to win uh, <laughs> both Super yeah. Bowls against the Dallas As Cowboys. As fan, I do love me some Bills. <laughs> I'm not giving them. it to us. Hey, year, buddy, we started know. it as me being a Giants fan uh, with the Norwood <laughs> miss, and it just kind of took over the next uh, few seasons in terms of morale. Sorry, Mike. I want to say this. I want to say this. Um, one thing that both these teams have in common is they're pretty good at holding a lead once they put their their foot on Correct. your neck. That's very true, and that's something that's going to be exploited today. They're, but what's the most up? important position on the football field, fellas? I'm going to say it's quarterback. Quarterback, obviously. And not a yeah, knock on Jimmy there. Garoppolo. You know, coming off that knee injury, I think he stepped up. This sure. is my this is my thing. I'm picking the Chiefs, by the way, to win 37-34. Ooh, I like that. Having said that, if the 49ers are to shave time off the clock and to get off to an early start, they can be a tough team to jump on. My personal opinion, Patrick Mahomes was so close last year. League MVP last year, so close to getting to that next level and putting up a Super Bowl banner in KC. And they have some ridiculously great fans, and they deserve it. Diehards. Haven't been there in 50 years. They, uh, they're a phenomenal fan base. My prediction okay. is the, the score you guys are not going to like. It's very unorthodox, but it's going to be 30-21. to 21. San Francisco comes out on top, and it's going to be kind of a boring game because we're going to know that result, and one of those TDs from KC is going to come in garbage time. So I'm just saying it's potentially going to be a blowout, but not. it's not going to be a blowout. It's just going to be a boring Kind game. of a controlled game. Controlled game. Saying. Thank you for that. It's a controlled game in the favor of San Fran by running the ball, and their defense is going to execute on every level, picking off Mahomes Jordan, twice. I love your input. You're wrong, but I love your input. <laughs> And, and I just want to say that this is the beautiful thing about our first podcast. We're going to revisit this on our second podcast and Correct. see if any of us knew what we were talking about. And we probably 37, don't. 34, Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is going to, with his arm, hit the end zone three times. And, and with his MVP. feet, hit it once. Yes. And I'm going to even give you a stat line. Mr. Mahomes is going for 324 yards in the air, 43 on the ground, four total touchdowns. 
So you just openly admitted that you smoke marijuana, really good marijuana. <laughs> I'm saying that it's going to be, the MVP is going to be uh, George Kittle on the San Fran side, 30 to 21. That's the game. That's it. That's a wrap. Elliot, what's your prediction? Let's close us out. We're doing 34-28. Mostert is the MVP. Love really? That. Believe Love that. what he did. Four TDs. Four, t- Four TDs. With ease. Effortless. Ease. My he father loved the Packers. Them. Sorry, Pops. They destroyed you. Anyway, hey, it's, we got it's going to be a fun game. We all have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> but that's part of the fun, right? So let's see what the result's going to be. We'll check back with you guys maybe in the next couple weeks. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We look forward to doing this again with you guys in the future. And uh, go 49ers. Go Chiefs. We're humbled to even be on the platform to share this with you. We love it. We love it. And uh, we hope uh, our listeners do as well. Thank you so much for giving us the chance to just spread it. Uh, Rest in peace, Kobe. God bless you, Kobe Bryant. God bless the Bryant family. Uh, And all lost in that. Every family. We all took an L on that. Every family that was affected directly uh you know with family members on that on that helicopter flight uh you know our condolences thank you kobe because in order to feel the loss you had to give us that much and we just want to sincerely say from the bottom of our souls thank you kobe and uh that mamba mentality i say this to anybody listening not just sports related apply it to your life apply it to yourself because it is a winning formula and kobe gave us the opportunity to see what it's about so for that alone let alone on the basketball realm. Thank you, Kobe. I think we should end the podcast by saying Mamba out. Mamba out. Mamba out. Thank you, guys.